growing up as a kid, my family and I always took exactly one vacation a year, and it was always in the summer, almost always in August, and most often it was to the Wisconsin Dells. Uh, it was one of our favorite places to go was was the Dells, and I have a, a lot of mem good memories of going there, of going to the water parks and racing go-karts and just spending time by the pool at the hotel. Uh, there are lots of attractions to see, of course, if you've ever been there, you, you might know that. Uh, but there's one attraction that stood out, that still stands out to me as, as much as any other. It was a place called the Wonder Spot. And the Wonder Spot was this place, a home actually, a house out in the woods. It was a place where nothing works the way that it should. It was an upside down, inside out, mixed up place where the, the, the laws of nature and gravity and physics just seemingly did not apply. The story went, when you were there, the story that they would tell you was that a long time ago the wonder spot was hit by a meteor and that meteor changed the underlying rock formations where that house stood and so now at the wonder spot you could watch as water traveled uphill rather than downhill as chairs uh, you could sit in a chair that would rest firmly on two legs instead of four uh, at, at the wonder spot crazy things happened it was almost impossible to stand up straight you felt like you were but in the pictures that you took you were always leaning over at about 45 degrees uh, the wonder spot was a crazy upside down, inside out, mixed up place where nothing worked the way that it should. Now I, I tell you about that cheesy tourist trap so that I can ask you this question. And the question is, do you ever feel like you're living in the wonder spot? Like everything is upside down and inside out and you look at your life and the world around you and you feel like nothing is making sense, nothing is working the way that you thought it, it should, or, or maybe that you had planned that it would. Do you ever feel that way? I think sometimes we do. When we, we go to bed to rest and find our peace and our heads hit the pillow, and a few hours later we get a call at 2 a.m. saying that someone we love is gone. And, and our heads are spinning, and we're wondering, what is going on? This is not what we thought was going to happen. Our, our worlds are turned upside down. And inside out or we go to work one day with a smile on our, our face because we lo love our careers and we enjoy what we're doing and we're working towards a, a goal or at the very least we're putting food on the table and then we're told to go home that it's all over that, that the job we held on to is is no longer ours or maybe some of you you have poured decades into your children's lives you've given and you've given and you've given and you would like to think that the way it works is that they could at least call you on a Sunday afternoon but but they don't, and you're thinking to yourself, this is not the plan that I had when I was raising my children and pouring my lives into them. I, I thought at least they would want to talk to me. Or or maybe, like many of us, you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed because you've, you've wanted to tell God something, or you've wanted to be filled with his gifts. You've, you've gone to his word to listen to him speak. You've come to church so faithfully, and, and you were looking for an answer, and yet one has never come. And you feel silence. And instead of a voice speaking to you, you feel empty instead of full. And, and you feel like you're living in some sort of upside-down, inside-out, mixed-up world where nothing is working the way that you thought that it should. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I think that the disciples in our gospel reading for today did. Uh, after all, uh, they were listening to Jesus say some pretty out there, some pretty wild things. Uh, we heard Jesus say it at the beginning of our reading for today. This is what Jesus says. It, it says uh, in our reading from Mark chapter 10 that Jesus looked around 
and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this would have just blown the disciples' minds because in their world, the things that we have, the things that the rich had, the money, the possessions, the the stuff, those were gifts from God. He was the one that had, had given it in the first place. And riches, of course, weren't those a blessing from God? Wasn't our wealth uh, a cosmic sign that, that we were on the right track and doing the right kinds of things, that, that we had God's favor and that he was happy with us? And, and so in the disciples' minds, if the rich who had all of these gifts, who, who had the blessing, who, who were on God's side, if, if it was hard for them to enter the kingdom, then what chance did than anyone else have. What Jesus was saying sounded upside down and inside out and all mixed up, but, but Jesus had not mixed up his words. He knew exactly what he's saying, and he actually pushes forward in our reading for today. He repeats himself. He, he goes on, and, and he says again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a, a giant camel to go through a tiny eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And now I just picture the disciples with their jaws dropped and their eyes wide and their hearts beating out of their chest and their minds racing as they think about the implications of this, right? As they consider this upside-down world that God is describing where nothing is working that the way that they had come to expect them to. And yet Jesus isn't even done there. He, he goes on and he, he continues and he describes a life where his disciples, all Christ followers, his beloved little children, do not live in some land of plenty or luxury where they just kick up their feet and have things given to them. But, but Jesus describes a life for his followers, a life of loss, a life where his people leave things behind and make hard sacrifices. And there are blessings in there, and Jesus touched on those in our reading, but he, he also talks about things that they can expect like persecution. <laughs> This is probably not what the disciples thought that they were getting into. And then at the end of it all, as, as we heard, Jesus ties it all together so neatly, puts a bow on this package he's placed in their laps, and he says at the end, and by the way, the first in my kingdom will be the last, and the last will be first. Uh, Jesus is describing his upside-down, inside-out, mixed-up, kingdom. He's trying to tell them that he simply does not value the things that this world values, that he doesn't work according to the ways that we've become accustomed to the world working. His ways and his values are completely different. And, and as hard as that is to hear and wrap our minds around, I think that Christians throughout history have come to embrace this. They've come to see the blessing and the beauty in God's unique way of, of working. I know many of you embrace God's upside-down, inside-out, mixed-up kingdom. And Christians throughout history have, and there are so many stories of Christians who have received this and reflected it in their own life. But, but today I'd like to share with you just one of those stories. Uh, it's a story that comes to us from a man who has long since passed, a man named Eusebius. Uh, Eusebius was a 4th century bishop, a pastor of pastors, a, a church leader, a bishop, as well as a church historian. He recorded for us many of the things that we know about the earliest Christians. He wrote down their stories. And one of the stories that Eusebius writes about is, is the time when the plague, uh, a terrible disease, had inflicted the Roman Empire. Eusebius writes that this plague was, was awful. It was, it was terrible. It was uh, taking people left and right. No one was safe. Young and, and old, uh, everyone was dying. And, and of course, as you might imagine, the disease, the, the plague was worst 
It, it was hitting people the hardest in the cities where everyone was concentrated. Uh, these became death camps for the people of Rome. And, and so what happened is that people, uh, everyone, all the citizens were, were leaving the cities and running out to the countryside to find safety. They were leaving behind loved ones, family members, friends, the sick and the dying, and they were literally running for their lives because they didn't know what was happening. They, they didn't quite understand what was causing this pain and this hurt or what to do about it, but they knew that they wanted to get out. They wanted to get as far away from this, this, these places of death as they possibly could. And, and so everyone was running away, except for the Christians. Eusebius writes for us that it was the Christians who, while everyone was running out, they were running in. It was the Christians who were sitting with the sick and caring for their needs, even though it meant that they were getting sick. Uh, it was the Christians who were so showing mercy and compassion and love to dying people, even though it meant that many of them were going to die because of it. It was the Christians in that time who began what we come to know today as, as the world's first modern hospitals, places of healing, centers of disease, care, and, and compassion. The Christians were doing the unthinkable. They were acting in upside down, inside out, all mixed up ways, doing things that didn't make sense, putting themselves in harm's danger. And, and what Eusebius writes, it's really interesting, he says that it is the Christians' deeds which were on everybody's lips. That is that no one could stop talking about what these crazy Christians were doing <laughs> because it didn't make sense what they were doing. Why would they sacrifice so much for people that they didn't even know that they had never met before? Why would they be willing to die so that others might, might live? But what these Christians knew and what Christians throughout history have known is, is that these Christians trusted that it was when they had nothing that God gave them everything. These Christians believed that it was out of their emptiness that God filled them up. These, these Christians trusted that, that, that even though they were poor, though in Christ they were rich, they saw that it was when they were at their lowest that, that God brought them to their highest. These Christians believed and trusted with everything that they had that, that life, true life, eternal life, a life that continued long past the life in this world, that that life was theirs freely as a gift. It was not earned, it was not deserved, as the world might tell them, but that true life, everlasting life, came from another man's sacrificial death. These Christians believed and they trusted that glory, the most glorious glory was found not in riches or jewels or in crowns, but in a bloody cross. And because those Christians trusted in that mixed up, upside down, inside out way of working, they were able to reflect that to their community. And as Eusebius writes from that point onward, the Christian church grew and flourished. And because of the work that God did there, many people came to faith and in that mixed up way their weakness became their greatest witness to the world those Christians have learned to embrace the upside down inside out mixed up kingdom of God and, and brothers and sisters I pray that that all of us would learn to do that too it's, it's not an easy lesson to learn it's hard to wrap our minds around but but I believe that it is good news for us that God works in such unconventional ways. It is truly the best of news. Because the truth is that all of us have those moments where our heads are spinning and we're wondering to ourselves, what is going on? Why isn't the world working like I, I thought that it would? For some of us, it, it again, it, it happens when, when we realize that we really, really need someone in our lives to be there for us, to love us, to help us, and, and no one ever seems to show up. 
And then in the, in the next breath, we wonder why it is that no one ever seems to need me. Or we think to ourselves, why is it that no one understands me? Why is it that no one gets me and my problems and what I'm going through? And then we think to ourselves, well, I don't even understand me. I don't get me, so how could anyone else do that either? It happens when, when we lose the job or the cancer comes or someone we love is, is taken from us. It comes in times of, of loneliness and depression and hurt. Yet I believe it is at those times, those, those moments of lowliness and emptiness and nothingness, that Jesus says, Aha! Now I got them right where I want them. Because what Jesus sees is, is that it is only until we can admit and confess, Lord, I, I have nothing apart from you, that it is that we can see that in him we have everything. It, it's only until we see that apart from Jesus we are poor that we can begin to grasp that in him we are rich. It is only until we see that apart from, from our Savior and apart from his death that we are low and humble that we will see that in him we are high and lifted up. It is not the rich who can grasp these things, Jesus reminds us, but the poor, those who admit, I have nothing, Jesus, apart from you, but in you. I have more than I could ever ask or imagine. See, that's how God's kingdom works. It's an upside-down, inside-out, mixed-up kingdom. He doesn't value the things we value. He doesn't work in the ways that we might expect him to work. But praise be to God, he, he doesn't. My brothers and sisters, I pray that you would learn and come to embrace ever more fully that kingdom. And not only embrace it, but like those first Christians, reflect it so that more and more and more would come to see the beauty and the blessing that is found in our Savior Jesus. In his name.